An award-winning family-owned business with exceptional diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, and timepieces, Continental Diamond is the jeweler Minnesota adores. In St. Louis Park or online at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Vikings Tailgate. It's Saints Week. Die-hard Saints fan Sean Patton. You know him from an endless amount of TV appearances as a stand-up comedian. He has a special on Peacock called Number One. He's fantastic. He's one of my favorite comedians of all time. It was really great to have him on the show. Uh, check out his special and uh, check out all his tour dates online at me, M-E, Sean Patton, S-E-A-N-P-A-T-T-O-N.com. Uh, I think you guys are really going to love this one. I know what time it is. Hey, we gotta go, man. We gotta go. Let's go. Showtime. Hey, everybody. It is Saints Week. I am riding high in a way. Whatever happened last week, this Josh Dobbs fever that has taken Vikings Nation by storm, I'm infected. Is this the worst metaphor of all time to start a show? Perhaps, but I'm jacked. Joining me, longtime friend, diehard Saints fan, the great Sean Patton. Hello, my friend. Thank you, Cy, and thank you for having me. And I, I got to say, too, I was a little infected with the Josh Dobbs fever as well. How I don't understand how... It, last year when Baker Mayfield had a day of practice and led that one drive and everybody went nuts. This is like the super version of this. I, if you like sports, this is the height of why you would like sports. Yeah. He's basically the real life Willie Beeman. Yes. You know, from, from that Oliver Stone. Movie. You and I are the only people that remember that movie. There is no one else. Yeah. Well, I can't even, it was Al Pacino and uh, Jamie Foxx. What was the name of it? Any Given Any Sunday. Given Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's why I remember that movie, Sean, because uh, whenever I would do something minor, my dad would, uh, I don't want to say overreact, but the punishment, I was always like, that's a little much. And then whenever I would make a major mistake, he would go real soft, which I thought was incredible parenting. And so I got in trouble for shoplifting oh. as a 17-year-old kid. And as a punishment, my dad took me to any given Sunday, which he could not have known the content that was going to be in that movie. That's not a great choice if you're trying to teach a kid. A, you're trying to have the act better talk after the movie. Right. But he took me to that movie. And then afterwards, he's like, you know what? You, you are terrible at shoplifting yeah you should not shoplift and that was the end of it and it worked i'd never shoplifted again i like how he took he's like we're gonna go see an oliver stone movie what's <laughs> what's playing uh if only it were oh here we go jfk jfk <laughs> natural board killers i was trying to think about a comparable scenario to this dobbs thing for comedians and the, this is the closest thing i could come to to try to explain it in our world is let's say, cause whenever you get to do Conan or Letterman or, or a late night set, you get to bring people with. So often, you know, I had a buddy with you, you bring a buddy who's been doing stand up usually with you with to those things. That'd be like, if you go with your buddy to, to do Conan and then he gets sick and the booker's like, 
you're up, man. Yeah. And we're like, you're like, oh, great. Can I use my material? And he's like, nope. You can only riff. Yeah. You can only go out here and riff. And then you go out and you kill it. Right. That's that's the only comparable scenario. I don't even understand this Josh Dobbs thing. He's a younger guy. He's not that mm-hmm. old of a quarterback. I think he's only like second or third season, right? I, I'm not sure how many seasons, but I know he's 20, just turned 28. So he's young. He's still early prime. Right. He's still got like, yeah, he's still got a career ahead of him. But he's got such an old quarterback name. You know? Oh, yeah. Josh Dobbs. Like you expect to just be this like guy that's like, all right, man, I got five more passes in me. I'm going to use them on this drive. But he's like, <laughs> he's a kid. He's like, he's got a whole career ahead of him. And I don't know. It's pretty exciting because then, cause then you wonder like if he captured the imagination of the team and the city, what next? What you know? That's what's so psycho about the sport is like any given Sunday, not just the movie title. Yeah, yeah. I always say locker rooms are weird places. Yeah, we all make fun of their cliches and the sportsisms, but they believe that stuff. They're they're a bunch of guys who are the most elite of the elite walking around going, nobody believed in me, and they believe that. And so when you get a team that starts losing in weird ways, I think they start thinking that's who they are. And so I, in the same way, when crazy good things happen, it can snowball. And then when you combine that with the fact that I think outside of maybe three to five quarterbacks in the NFL, a lot of whether or not these guys succeed depends on situations. Like, do you have a supportive staff? Do you have a, a, a good roster around you? I'm fascinated by the potential ceiling of this. I'm with you. Yeah, that's, you just said it properly too. Like when you watch football with like someone who's not who doesn't watch often enough or isn't that big of a fan, and they're just completely like, "This guy, this quarterback sucks." Well, this guy sucks. You got to be like, "Hold on a second. First and foremost, if that guy threw you a pass, you, <laughs> all of your fingers would shatter when you tried to catch it." Specifically quarterbacks, it's like, think about the offensive line needs to be good. The place call needs to be good. The receivers need to be where they need to be. The defense, there's so many variables. Like, I get that Patrick Mahomes is Jedi level. In fact, I was in Philadelphia last year for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Not for the game itself, but the weekend leading up. I was at uh, Helium Comedy Club the Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Philly, right? Mm -hmm. So... Don't know if you've ever met a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but let's just say they're all tough draw. Yeah, they're all well educated, very, you know, uh, well spoken, you know, very kind people, very kind, open minded individuals. Uh, uh, and, 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 oh, I'm sorry. Did I say, did I, was I saying something nice about those psychos? Anyway, so, um, yeah, like at the beginning of the weekend, it was like, a, it was like a zombie or a movie where at first there's only like, you know, the Thursday night, there's maybe only, and people in the audience with their jerseys in the go birds. And by the Saturday night show, they're all just like go birds, like <laughs> the whole audience. And I tell the, I tell the, uh, after the show, the Saturday night show, I'm just kind of hanging out. And I, the, I, 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 I happen to mention that I think the Chiefs are going to win. No. I, I say that not because I'm a Jedi, not because I'm a psychic. Because I was in a room full of other adults, yeah. and I figured in that room of adults I'd get a light, you know, ribbing. But seriously, there was a moment where the bouncer was like, "Do you want? Do you need me to walk you out of here, man?" Oh God! No, no, no. I'll deal with it. But there was a moment. There was a moment where I'm like, "Am I about to have to 
fist fight my way through 20 <laughs> drunk comedy audience members because <laughs> I just said, ah, I think the Chiefs are going to take it. But, you know, I was right. Just saying. Yeah. Can we package that up and can we play it? pre-show at the Philadelphia Helium moving forward. Sean Patton was right. Come find him. What I wanted to do was at the end of the Saturday night show, which is the last show of the weekend, I wanted to pull my phone out, you know, like and rotate it around like so many comedians do now to get that like crowd shot. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, thank you so much, Philadelphia. Thank you so much. Go change. Go change. Go. And just get an image of them all losing their minds. Get their reaction. But the comp, the host was like, "Please don't do that because they'll they'll murder you, and I'll be on their side." I'm sorry. I'm like, "Yeah, I get it. I get it." I have to. I'm sorry. It's my birthright. I'll have to yeah. be a part of the mob yeah. that burns you at the stake. If I don't join in, I'm in. I'm da- I'm endangering my family. <laughs> you know, going back to the idea of these. You know, you suck, but they, they no none of these guys suck. No, no. There's a name that's going to ring true for both of us that I have a great story about that I've I've maybe told on this show before. But Todd Bauman. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Former Vikings quarterback, yeah. former Saints quarterback. Yeah. The definition of a backup quarterback and potentially of a third string quarterback. Right. 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 Yeah. So he's from Minnesota. His brother coached at pipestone high school i had a friend that played at pipestone while todd bauman was on the minnesota vikings and the kids on the team would kind of like make fun of bauman for being you know oh he's the dopey corny unathletic backup quarterback like that sort of stuff yeah and so they had like a carbo load before a game and his brother brought over a vhs tape and just popped it in and it was a video of Todd Bauman in high school winning a high school slam dunk contest with a 360 from about three-fourths of the way through the free throw lane. And everybody's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys are all athletes from before they hit puberty. By the, by the time puberty arrived in their bodies, it was like, oh, I got all this to work with? Cool. When you see it for real, when you see it up close, it's wild. I coached AAU basketball and I worked for Chris Carr, who played with the Wolves for a while, played with Michael Jordan with the Bulls. I worked for his organization. I had this kid on my team who ended up playing at Loyola of Chicago and then ended up playing overseas. Really good. Six foot six. His name was Jordan Hicks. I mean, dude could ball, right? One of the top high school players in the state. And we were at a shoot around before a practice and Chris was there sitting on the bench and Jordan was trash talking him as he was shooting threes from about the NBA three point range, just a little bit behind. So this is a deep shot. So Chris challenges him to a, you know, who can make the most out of 10 for a Gatorade. And so uh, Jordan hits six out of 10, which that's wild. That's that's a pretty impressive performance. Yeah. And then Chris walks out and clanks the first one. And then he clanks the second one. And then he clanks the third one. And Jordan's smiling. Everybody's talking trash. And then he takes the next one and hits it. And I saw the look on his face. I was like, oh, he's f-ing with them. Yeah. And then he hit seven straight three-pointers from two foot behind the NBA three-point line. 
intentionally haven't missed the first three and you're like oh that's a level of repetition and ability that i couldn't even stand within a million miles of a i love that b i wonder do you think sometimes coaches do that with the team where they're like guys listen they're they're overconfident they're they're coming off a two-game winning streak we know we're better what if we just sort of shit the bed for the first couple drives <laughs> You know what I mean? Let them think they got us. Let the pe like sometimes. Sometimes I think, which every New Orleans Saints fan, winning the Super Bowl was of course one of the greatest moments. It, uh, you know, it was amazing. But they, they never won a second one with Drew Brees or Sean Payton. Yeah. Never won a second one. Never even went to a second one. The, the equivalent of the second Super Bowl was watching the Falcons lose to the Patriots. If you remember, I've heard so many Saints fans say that, like it's their moments in franchise history. Number one, our win. Yeah. Number two, the Falcons loss. Believe you me, I've had this uh, borderline argument with both of our good friend, but your one of your podcast mates, Chad Daniels, right? That <laughs> no Saints fan should ever, ever, ever be angry about the concept of cheating or being robbed of something. And I'm like, listen, Brett Favre <laughs> deserved it. He deserved it. No. <laughs> um, also, also, my argument against Bounty Gate was it was they were just he was saying do your job just too well. That's all he was saying. But <laughs> but but Chad never because you know that was the year that in the NFC Championship, yeah, a well, very blatant call was not made. That was the pass interference year, right? That was the past interference year. But then, of course, my argument, my real, my realistic argument is like, yeah, but then they did get the ball first in overtime and still couldn't do it. So I hated that moment, but I'm also like, yeah, but then they couldn't close the deal. However, that year, the Super Bowl was in Atlanta and it was against the Patriots. And if you remember, it was one of the most boring Super Bowls in history when the Rams lost. But the Saints would have played the Patriots in Atlanta and that oh. super, if they would have beaten the Patriots in Atlanta, it might have been the greatest moment ever for a Saints fan because Falcons fans would have had to have rooted for the Saints in that. Oh, yeah. Because they had humiliated by the Patriots, what, two seasons earlier? It was a moment that would have been so glorious. Because I think most Saints fans, like myself and my buddy who lives around the corner, uh, best friend growing up, he lives here in Brooklyn as well. We were rooting for the Falcons at first. The big machine. You, you, nobody wants to see the big machine win a, another title. By that point, if you were rooting for the Patriots, it was like rooting for Walmart, you know, and like, <laughs> or Starbucks. And I know a lot of, you know, Pats fans would hear that big, hey, and I'd be like, eh, learn to enunciate and we'll talk. But, <laughs> but man, once it started happening, once you saw that it was really happening, you were like, okay, I'm kind of 100% on board with it. Yeah, this is delicious. I think that one of the tough things about being an NFL fan, like a diehard, I, I try not to take any of it too seriously. Sure. You know, you, you take it just seriously enough to have it be a wonderful escape. Yeah. But I can't not have petty, silly grudges for all of eternity. Watching them blow that second half lead, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl when they beat us in 98, I was like, yeah, that's what you get. Oh, yeah. That's what you get. Yeah, so I don't... I don't like the Falcons either. I will say, dude, and I know you feel this way. It would be fine with me if after this week's game, the Vikings and the Saints didn't play each other for half a decade. I am so sick of playing the New Orleans Saints. And I know we've had 
we had the Minnesota miracle against you. We had the the Kyle Rudolph catch, which I know is the one you hate more. But like, I just I don't want to do it anymore. It was like we played the Seahawks every year forever. I'm done. I'm out. Let me play the Bucks every year. Yeah, the I mean, yeah, the NFC Championship. But every game against the, the Vikings since that has been pain. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Those like the miracle and the Rudolph because that team, the year that Rudolph caught that pass, that was a Super Bowl team. That was a very, very, very good football team you guys had that year. And that was Drew Brees' last go at a Super Bowl. Yeah. Are you ever able to rationalize it? Because we're a suffering fan base that had never has never won a title. You had never won a title before the one that you got off of us and then the Colts. Is this do you ever go, oh God, it's the worst, but we did we did get a Super Bowl? Because I think everyone in Minnesota would be happily Kyle Rudolph and Minnesota miracled if they had a Super Bowl to look at. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it is like winning an Oscar for a fan. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you always, as a fan base, you got that one Oscar. You're like Al Pacino, you yeah. know, the state fan base. It's like we're the Al Pacinos. Um, <laughs> I mean, dude, like, I, but that's the thing too. Like growing up, the Saints were terrible, 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 terrible until I was almost 30. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially the 90s when I was like a kid kid, my first like recollection of being a Saints fan was the Ditka years, oh. which was god awful. Can we pause the whole show and discuss how no one ever talks about. So I wanted to do this project called Size Favorite Photos. Yeah. ESPN was like, no. Uh, but it was Mystery Science Theater 3000, literally YouTube length, making fun of famous sports pictures, like the Barkley eating right. pizza or the great Randy Moss, uh, Charles Woodson Heisman year with Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. If you ever get a chance to go look at that picture, it's great. But... The one that never gets talked about is that somehow Mike Ditka and Ricky Williams got in wedding gear. Oh, yeah. And got on the cover. Who, like, think about with how controlled everything is by public relations now. Going and going, hey, guys, all right, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Our Hall of Fame coach and our brand new running back, they're going to dress up like a groom and bride, and they're going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's bananas a very bananas b like I, I tell you what that i was young i was you know teenager when that happened i can say this it taught me to never buy in the hype ever 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 again in my life i i vividly remember to the t being my, my family has a catering business right mm -hmm. and as a kid you know i started working for my family's catering business when i was like 11 you know illegally probably but, you know, like you, you just you start working, you know, it's family. So, you, you're, you know, when you got weekends off, sometimes I'd just be home and my yeah. dad would call me, but get dressed. You're coming in. I'm like, OK, you know, um, after school. I'd be, anyway, I remember I was cutting shallots for a crawfish at Tupac, you know, because catering, you cook everything in bulk. I'm cutting shallots just at work on a whatever day the NFL draft was, whatever day. Okay. And I remember. You know, with the whatever selection, New Orleans Saints pick running back Ricky Williams out of University of Texas. I remember the entire building erupting. And like for the rest of that day, like stopping to get gas, people like, we got that Ricky Williams. And like for 
the week afterwards, everyone, the entire city, the entire region, the entire fan base was totally okay with it. Was a hundred percent like this guy knows what he's doing. Like, so whenever people throw shade at Dicka and they should, because it was a careless, dumbass decision made by a guy who was just coaching for a paycheck. We can all admit that now. Yeah. Three years later. We might we drive home and my we, my dad would listen to 870 AM. It's Saints talk. All of them were on board. Everyone was like, Yep, sure he just gave away the future of draft the next six years. Doesn't matter. One guy's going to fix it all because Ditka says so. He's Ditka. Sure, he's already been a coach for, I think at that point, two terrible seasons. Sure, we've been rotating between Billy Joe Hobart and Billy Joe Tolliver. Which Billy Joe is it going to be? We don't know. Oh, we got Terry Collins. Remember that guy? Yeah, he got cut from a team because he told his coach he was too hungover to play a game. I believe it was that. Something like that. He got pulled from the game by his request, so they cut him. Oh, cool. We can't figure out quarterback. You know what we had? We had Willie Rose. We had one amazing Hall of Fame R- Willie Rose. Hall of Fame. Imagine having two Billy Joes at quarterback and drafting a running back. Oh, I remember. I don't even have to imagine. <laughs> I saw it in real time. It's also like it reminds you of like a TV franchise where you're like, it's 2022 and all of a sudden there's a show about like, you know, robots uh, and it's on some channel you didn't even know existed. You're like, it's like Roku East or something. You're like, I didn't even know. I didn't know Roku had an East. I didn't know how to. And there it's and it's starring Wesley Snipes. And you're like, well, this has got to be good. I loved Blade and I loved Major League. That's what Didka coming to the Saints had to feel like going from one of the greatest teams of all time. You had to feel like as a Saints fan, you're like, we got Ditka. But then everyone on the outside was like, did you? Or is this is this Wesley Snipes on Roku East? What are we watching here? At the time, at the, time the Saints had been bad for so long that people forgot that it was, we got Ditka 12 years removed right. from that Super Bowl team. Because I, I remember being slightly suspicious of the whole thing, being like, well, I mean, it's, it's, it, but, and people being like, what are you, what are you a dumbass? What are you, you know, like, yeah, sure, you're right. I mean, you're right. Questions are for the stupid. But like, <laughs> God, man. And, and what's really sad is Ricky Williams, when he had his moments, they were amazing. Turned out to be, when he was into it, a hell of a football player. Oh, yeah. But then I also, you know, I remember all the interviews with the helmet. And that's the other thing you forget about is like, they're kids and they're taught to handle all this pressure, sure. But then like, no one, no one ever truly tells them how much pressure it's really going to be. I think about that a lot. You know, you've had a, a fantastic career thus far. You know, your new special on Peacock oh, is, yeah. Thank you. dude, it's phenomenal. Thank you. You've been on Late Night a bunch. You've had the Comedy Central specials. Like, you've reached a, a mountain peak in stand-up that is really, really impressive. Well, thank you. But even with that peak, right, like, the amount of comments and YouTube comments and so like the amount of pressure that comes with and you know feelings about yourself that come with that mountaintop I, I think sometimes guys like us go ah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot sometimes now take that times the most the quarterback in every state is probably more famous than the governor in that state oh, by yeah. a 
by a couple miles. I shouldn't say probably. I would I would put all my earnings on that. I, I think. Sure. Uh, so that's in today's day and age to be a young kid and have all this new media and all these. It's it's kind of like the world said. What if we had a lot more places? for people to put their opinions around your performance of whatever you do. Yeah. I mean, and you're right too. Like, I mean, like 10 years ago, I got a little Twitter mad at Drew Brees uh, <laughs> because uh, he was, this was 2012, so 11 years ago, he was opening up a couple of Jimmy Johns in New Orleans, which, you know, I got no problem with, you know, people opening businesses, but he was doing it in like historic areas oh, of the city and he wow. was doing it and he was doing it next to like like wedged in between like mom and pop joints that have been there for decades that in my opinion it was like dude that's just bad business like you, you're it's going to be known as it's a drew breeze's jimmy johns there's no way they're not gonna fly that banner and it's like you know open them up in metairie or by the airport or in like parts of the city that like Places yeah. where Jimmy John's don't screw over families that have spent generations building a restaurant. Right, right. And I launched a tirade against him on Twitter, <laughs> just like tagging him. It's like, hey, man, thought you were about the city. Hey, and then and then started getting like, you know, you said earlier a thing that I think is beautiful about being able to turn it off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, when the Saints lost to the Alex Smith pass to Vernon Davis in the playoffs in 2000, I want to say, same, same year, 2012 mm -hmm. se or 11 season, I got so angry that I threw my BlackBerry, there you go, <laughs> threw my BlackBerry at a tree, and it shattered, not the tree, but the BlackBerry shattered. And uh, and I, it was that moment watching the, my BlackBerry on the ground <laughs> just broken, thinking, well, I got to get another one of those because that's the future of phones. No one's ever, nothing's ever going to get better than that. I'm not going to get one of these candy ass iPhones and get another Blackberry, of course, but also realizing like, yeah, you got to back off a little bit. This is mm -hmm. not healthy. To, yeah. But I always say this, if your team sucks and if you're going through it with your team, remember one thing, 80% of the players on that team don't actually live in your city. Yeah. So just remember that. Okay. It's all a game. It's all entertainment. It's awesome. When they win, let it go when they lose. It's not on you. Like speaking of Philadelphia, People, you know, talking about burning the city if they lose. I'm like, yeah, but most of them aren't coming back to that city. Yeah. Like, Jalen Hurts lives in Chicago, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, who are you affecting? Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful escape. That's what I always say. It's a beautiful, wonderful escape that you can both in, invest your enthusiasm and your sadness in. And then you can move to the you can move to the next thing while letting that piece still exist but i do i do have to point out yeah. something that you mentioned to me uh because we're we're kind of saying hey everybody take a breath and you know realize how it's again but your family your family of diehard fans has a belief about I, here's the thing i'm just gonna shut up i'm just gonna let you tell it so <laughs> so i was on my birthday's in november right okay. It was the following season. So it was like I had just turned a year old or I was about to turn a year old, whatever. And my parents, you know, still to this day, long-time season ticket holders. And they take me to a game as a baby. And, you know, which you see a lot. And it was against the Falcons. And the Saints were winning. 
and my they do this thing where they leave at the you know early in the fourth quarter and it's like let's get out of here let's you know or it's like halfway through the fourth quarter they're leaving the game to beat the traffic they're they're a young family at that point you know they didn't my, my dad couldn't afford to park in the parking lot at the Superdome so it was like a you know 10 minute walk to where the car was and he says they get in the car turn on sports radio and the very first thing they hear is and lightning has struck the New Orleans Saints from the time they left when they got to the car, the Falcons scored like two touchdowns and a field goal to take the game. That they were they were down two and a half scores and one. So so they were they the Saints were ahead of the Falcons by two and a half scores. Your parents are like, let's get home. This was great. Yeah. You guys, by the time you're in the car, they're losing. Right, right. They lost. So by the time they get in the car, the game's done. Like they lost, like you know, by three points. And so that that always comes up always comes up whenever the Saints have a bad season and my argument is always no they lost because they took me out of the dome they were winning so your family is insisting that your that action them leaving a win early with you in tow has cursed the team no no my, not the, the, they're saying my presence did I, my argument is no no <laughs> if you would have just stayed for the and they would have won. I was in the building. They were winning. That's a very New Orleans response. The uh, like, yeah, you cursed him. Well, I left. Exactly. Yeah, that's the curse. I was like, I don't think you understand curses as, at all. Yeah. And it's hilarious because like all through my teens and like young years and teens going out every game. I mean, all throughout the Jim Hazlitt years, the Saints were just bad. And it would just be like, every oh, well, here they are bad again. But my little brother who's way younger than me, he's only known the Saints as, like, awesome. One of his first games was that game where um, he dropped the ball. The, the, the Katrina game? No, no, no. Um, no, he did He did go to that game, though. He was at that game. He went to the game where they beat Philly to move on to the NFC Championship for the first time. He went to that NFC Championship. Against wow. Just, I, and let me, just, let me just go ahead and take a dump on the Chicago Bears fans for a second. Hey, those guys through snowballs with nine volt batteries inside of them at Saints fans for that game, which is just come grow up. Dude, <laughs> you know what I'm I get, I get like shouting, saying awful things, talking trash. I get that, but you're throwing nine volt batteries inside snowballs. It's ridiculous. That's terrible, but whatever. Um, my brother and my dad went to the Super Bowl when they won. Oh, that had to have been incredible. Right, so they only he only knows the Saints is like, man, they're just great. I just go and they just win games. He's it's almost even though you guys have the same dad, yeah. it's almost like your two sons with different dads. Yeah. And yours wasn't around and his was a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> like that's you have you've had very different upbringings. Yeah, it's it's, it's so it's kind of wild, but like but I will say, you know, my dad was always that very temperate Saints fan, which I kind of learned from him. Oh, no. Nice. He, he was that, like, when they're winning, he's buying drinks, he's high-fiving people, he's cracking jokes when they're losing. He's like, ah, well, that's bummer, whatever, next season. But all of my uncles and the rest of my family go straight, like, nuclear. <laughs> like, my mom, when she loses, when the Saints are losing, some of the shit that comes out of her mouth, Jesus, I didn't realize you could combine those two words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad gets he gets so nervous. He doesn't he's not loud, he's not mean, he's not like depressed after. He's not an asshole when something great happens to the other fans. He doesn't go out other teams, but he just gets like he can't handle the pressure 
of the big moments. It gets to him. He's got to go on a walk, man. Oh, yeah. I, I thought he might have to retire as a fan after last year because there were so many crazy last-minute uh, moments. Uh, let me let me ask you this, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here uh, because we've talked a lot about being humans. How do you feel about this game? How do you feel about this version of the Saints? The Vikings walk into this game with the Dobbs thing going on, and there's this swirling vibe that even though they're not going to have Justin Jefferson this week and Cam Akers is now not going to be there, if they can somehow figure out a way to get one this week and they get to six and four and JJ come like there's this this swirling idea that they could do something fun for the rest of the year but I, I it's not like they can't if they lose this week but I think this week is a huge huge piece of that so there's a lot of emotion wrapped into the Viking side this week with that said you guys have Derek Carr you have a different coaching staff you have like I had kind of, I had pretty high expectations. I'm one of the few believers in Derek Carr. But where are you at with your team walking into this game this week? So uh, my very good friend, James Mattern, a uh, fantastic comedian, uh, opens for uh, Chris Stefano. He's from Vegas, right? So he sort of adopted the Raiders. Like everybody in Vegas, they really, you know, they love their, they, they adopt the sports team. And when, and when Derek Carr made the jump, he's like, dude, Dude, I'm telling you right now, it's like having a gold retriever at quarterback. It's like it's beautiful form, and when it when it does something good, you're like, God, that's a magnificent beast. That's a magnificent beast. But then you know, you're like, Oh, that's right, it's a dog. It doesn't know. It doesn't know how to call an audible. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a funny thing. And that's a really funny line. Yeah, it's like yeah. At the end of the day, it's uh, still it's still a Derek Carr. And I, I, I want Derek Carr to succeed, obviously, because not just because he's the Saints quarterback, but also, like, I mean, that guy had a ringer of a time in in Vegas mm-hmm. and in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Oakland, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, like, you want that guy to succeed. He's got the, he's got the physical skills, and it's, he seems to be, you know, getting better. Um, I think Peyton's tenure with the Saints was one of the longest head coaching runs mm-hmm in the history of the sport. It was a long, it was, you know, 15, 16 seasons, but he was suspended for the one, you know, 15 seasons and mostly successful. And you sort of got used to this level of like, if they were going to be, a, if it was going to be bad, they were still going to be good, bad. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, yep. like, you know, they had, they had three, they had three, seven and nine seasons before they got really good again. And after the Super Bowl, and even during those seven and nine seasons, you were still like, ah, eh, but this is, you still see that they're a good team. Yeah, it's hard to say the same so far under the Dennis Allen tenure, and I, and I, I, I love that dude as a defensive coordinator. He came in and changed the defense. I mean, we had Buddy Ryan, not Buddy Ryan. No, you had one of the, you had one of the Ryans. You had not Rex, Rob Ryan. You had Rob, Rob right. Ryan, and his incredible right. hair. Yep, it'd have been amazing if you'd have had Buddy Ryan. That'd have yeah, been a story. <laughs> we drug him back from the dead, baby. Saints, you know, they're anointed. They can bring people back. But Rob, like that guy, and that's the thing too, that dude embraced the city. Rob Ryan, or whatever, he came in. The, yeah. He was everywhere. All these paparazzi, you know, him just partying with people, buying drinks. The city loved him as a guy, but he was a terrible coordinator. But Dennis Allen came in and just turned the defense into a juggernaut. But it's like now you're watching them play and you're like, do they did they forget that Alvin Kamara is on the team? Did they forget how to how to you know it's like and and I, Chris Olaf's great. I love it. 
but it's also like, what do you, you know, bringing back Jimmy Graham? At, why? He's 37. Like, I guess for the locker room, sure, but like, aren't there other things to focus on here? And so, like, it seems like the offense right now is just like, you know, it's back to that era of like, oh man, they're not, it's not the offense you got used to seeing. You know, Drew Brees, even at the end when he couldn't throw the ball longer, further than 25 yards, was still Drew Brees, could still like see the skill. He still had the brain. Yeah. He could still make wins happen and make touchdowns happen. And like somehow, like, it's, it's almost like he had mind control over like his receivers. Like he could just be like, you, you're going to be here and the ball's going to be there and you'll be fine. I'm not saying Carr sucks anything like that because I don't think that. I'm just saying like, man, I really, every game with the Saints feels like, you know, when you got a burp and you're like, oh, this is going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. And you're just like, and it just kind of never happens. And then two hours later, it's like a weak cough. That's what it kind of the offense kind of feels like. Like, come on, just belt, guys, just rip one. And and I don't feel bad for anyone who's had a Hall of Fame quarterback for nearly two decades. I do think it is unique to have one of those and then not have one. You know, if you spend almost twenty years with Tom Brady, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, and Brett Favre. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, whoever it may be, it is weird to all of a sudden go, because you do convince yourself, no matter how great they are and how much, no, no matter how much you believe you're able to understand how great they are and how fortunate you are to be watching them, right. your brain still goes like, yeah, but we'll be okay. Ah, it's the world out here with the non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks is an interesting world and it's it's one that you have to you have to get used to. Because that's the other thing too. You know, people like as far as stats and whatnot go, like Carr isn't that different from Drew Brees when he came to the Saints. Like Drew Brees wasn't this like heralded, you know, genius quarterback when he came to the Saints. He was kind of tossed away by San Diego, yeah. and people were like, ah, he had that one really good season, and he was great in college, but. He hasn't really shown anything in the pros, and now his shoulder's blown, so good luck. And you could look at Carr the same way. You're like, ah, you know, he had seven seasons, and some of them were great, some were bumpy, but then also he had, you know, 15 offensive coordinators, whatever, you know, and Mm -hmm. all that, you know, all the Antonio Brown stuff and the John Gruden shit and so many head coaches. Like, he'd been through the, 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 the head coaching personnel version of a blown shoulder so you're like maybe this guy could be that good and you start to then you start to wonder like could he have been that good under Peyton yeah and then it kills you every single Saints fan knew what was happening when he stepped down everyone were like he he needs to get away from the organization the salary cap is he needs to get away he's stressed out and tired of constantly having to write the ship even though Mickey Loomis is great at what he does and everyone knew he was coming back, just not as a saint. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. It does It does feel a little good to watch him struggle in Denver, not going to lie to you. But you, you got to stop wondering because you can only move on, you know? Yeah. Just got to exist in the now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you do this, and I'm sorry about it. I make everybody do it. Can I get a prediction, a score prediction for the game this weekend? Just because just I'm a fan, and I want to see it go, but I want to see it win. 28 to 27, New Orleans Saints. I love it. Uh, I think, you know, you do have a very good defense. Um, the Vikings defense has been playing well. So I think I'm going to go Saints 13, okay. Vikings 138. Sean, okay. I, 
<laughs> I love you a great deal. Love you back, brother. I really appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you. Thank you. Big shout out to Sean Patton for joining tonight's show. Uh, and thank you again to our sponsor, Continental Diamond. And thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of the Vikings Tailgate. Be sure you like, subscribe, and follow our show on all our channels. Uh, and we will see you guys again next week. Join PA at the Blaine Buffalo Wild Wings this Friday from 9 to noon for Friday Football Feast presented by Coors Light. Enjoy food and drink specials and a chance to win Viking tickets and more. Visit vikings.com slash BWW for full schedule and details.